You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I dropped an amazing episode with Jason Nitz of Warforged and Spent Case. There's this episode and over 440 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers. What is up, good people? I hope you had a tremendous holiday. We had a pretty good one over here, and I thank you for allowing that to happen. I really appreciate you tuning into this today. Like I've said a million times in the past, you could be doing anything right now, and the fact that you're choosing to spend this time with me means a lot. And I genuinely, genuinely thank you for it. Today's episode is with my friend Doug Cower from Cower Guitars. He was on the show a million years ago, and things have just went crazy for both of us. And this episode was actually supposed to come out a few months ago. I delayed putting it out because Doug and I were trying to reschedule to record the patron bonus content, but schedules being what they are, that didn't really work out. So for you patrons this week, I am doing something a little bit different that I think you're really going to enjoy. So a little peek behind the curtain, so to speak. I think I think that'll be fun. So if you would like to support the show and get that sneak peek behind the curtain, please go to patreon.com slash tone mob, where for five bucks a month, you can get additional bonus content delivered to your ears every week. Or you can check out Apple Podcasts and check out their subscribe feature, where you will also get that same bonus content delivered to your ears, but in a slightly more convenient fashion if you are indeed an Apple user. So there you go. Those are the plugs for this week. Let's get into this episode with my dude, Doug. It is a much needed update. And if you aren't familiar with Cower Guitars, do a quick Google and please your eyeballs. You're really going to like what you see. All right, let's get into it. Here we go. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Tone Mob podcast, the show about guitar stuff occasionally, sometimes. I'm your host, Blake Weiland, and with me today, I have returning somebody from many moons ago on the uh, the podcast, my friend, Mr. Doug Cower, finally back. Yay! And with working internet connection this time. Hey, so we're doing it. We're doing the hopefully. whole thing. Yeah. You know, I had a thought the last, well, okay, I feel like the last time I saw you, you were in cardboard form. Mm-hmm. That's how long it's been. Was it? No, I don't think so. No, no. I mean, I'm sure I had to see you at, at Winter Nam in the last, well, three years ago now, I guess, or two years Tell ago. Whatever the last Winter Nam was. Yeah. I still like cardboard version most. Well, he's nicer. He's probably uh, yeah, thinner and kind of shallow, but mm-hmm. more flexible. It, yeah. Well, now he's dead. Like, took, oh, no. Like, took his head off. Well, so at that, uh, it would have been whatever whatever summer nam that was the last summer nam i went to sure. was not the last summer nam which was mm-hmm. you know something else entirely <laughs> but uh, uh jonathan diaz he he's the one who made that and he toted it around to all these different events 
that was hilarious by the way it was really funny seeing me with like greg cock <laughs> like all these people i'm like what in the world is going on but uh nobody wanted to take him home because Ooh. he was big and i didn't want to take him home because i don't want to look at me <laughs> any more than i have to you know uh but uh well i was like but this is kind of funny i don't want to like totally like forget about it so i i there's a video on instagram of me cutting his head off <laughs> <laughs> oh man yeah that works a lot easier to travel is just ahead yeah so i just cut his head off and then like i saw the uh the people from uh band lab and harmony and all mm-hmm. that and ryan burke introduced me to him and he, they were like why do you have a cardboard head of yourself <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, the best would be just to go around to like, uh, like the movie theaters and stuff when they have the full like the rock, you know, like cardboard cutouts that just keep putting your head on them and stuff. That'd be great. <laughs> it's funny because <laughs> one of my friends stole uh, a Damian Lillard's head from a a Blazers game, and so but he Perfect. left it over, but he left it over here, and they're about the same size. So I have like two cardboard heads <laughs> in my shed for no reason. Not uh, creepy at all. Not creepy at all. <laughs> not at all. Uh, really hilarious, and it shows you like how kids are like we should be more like kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, my youngest knew that I had the cardboard head, right? Actually, was it my youngest? No, it was my oldest because this was how long ago it's been. Wow. Sure. He, he knew I had the cardboard head, but he hadn't seen the Damian Lillard head yet. So mm-hmm. he came out to the shed and he was just hanging out and he saw the Damian Lillard head on the ground. And I, I took a video and I sent it to my family, but he was like, I'm like, who is that? He's like, that's dad. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it is. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I am also a, an extremely successful, and very talented you know, very wealthy basketball player. Yep. Yeah. Rapper. Um, that is well, me. It's good to hide the wealth from your kids. So that's what we do here. Of course. Uh, yes, of course. That's what we pretend to tell them, at least, that we're not actually super poor. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> we're not cosplaying this. This is. Yeah. <laughs> well, dude, so much has happened since you last came on the show. I think for anyone who's not familiar with you, they should go back and listen to that episode so that they can kind of get the whole like general backstory. But when it's somebody's second appearance, I never feel like doing that again. Like I don't sure. even, we don't need to rehash that. But what everybody knows it. What has happened in the the time since? I know you've got more employees, you've moved shops. Oh man. And like there's a bunch of stuff. So what's happened since then that I know I'm that's trying cool. to think of how long ago that was. Well, I mean, I think the last time we did the co- podcast together, Paul Roney was still working in the shop, mm-hmm. um, who I can see his work in the background there. That's right. There um, it is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, a lot's happened. I mean, I'm still in the same shop space. Um, you know, Paul's moved out. He moved back up to Portland or Vancouver or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. the same up there. Uh, and then, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, a lot's been going on. We We've had... Some employees come and go. Um, we're at currently, let's see, three, four, four full-time employees, one part-time uh, who, well, yeah, hopefully next week he'll be on part-time and then uh, then myself. Right. Um, it's been crazy. It's been a weird, I mean, there's like, I don't know. I feel like we're in like the, you know, uh, uh, before COVID and after COVID stretch or <laughs> during COVID, I guess, DC stretch maybe. I don't know, like before COVID, um 
you know, everything was kind of progressing normally. We, you know, we had, uh, I mean, we were still making daylighters way back when we don't do that anymore. Uh, you know, I, I find most of what we make with exception to Banshee has kind of a five year, five, six year lifespan, uh, which sucks honestly in some regards, but daylighter just kind of ran out of steam. And then I think, uh, part of that's because, uh, I think honestly it sounds conceited, but I think Dennis Fano and I kind of brought the like jazz master. That's not a jazz master thing mm-hmm. uh, into, into the Vogue or whatever. And now, and then like everybody started doing it. Like I, ironically the 2016 Nam, I think was the year we were, uh, it was the first year that um, John Serba had shown at Nam. Okay. Uh, in I don't know, maybe ever or you know at Sir Guitars, and so they had this huge, like full island, like you know whatever of twenty by. Um, that's the joy of me being out in the other room is to get to hear the uh, Charlie Brown clock go off occasionally here. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but anyway, they had this huge yeah. island, and we only had like the you know forty by you know or you know two booth spots essentially. Um, but uh, the cool thing was they had put up like these walls around their island. And then they had uh, this giant picture of their new model, and it was their Jazzmaster thing. And I was like, "Yeah, we're done." Uh, I think <laughs> when Sir's doing it, we probably run this thing as far as we could. I'm like, "Oh yeah, I remember when we made that like four years or four years ago." Mm-hmm. Uh, but they ended up being John and and his like uh, I don't remember what the guy's title was, like production manager or whatever, like like main his like his number two guy. Uh, they were really sweet. They were great Nam neighbors, honestly. And the wall was great because it not only did it keep their noise down, uh, it essentially gave us the entire walkway. And then we didn't have to worry about being as loud, though I'm pretty strict about it because I don't want to listen to it for four days. Uh, <laughs> but it felt like we could be a little bit more annoying and not annoy those guys. And it worked out great. Uh, yeah. But yeah, we we were doing that. And then we kind of phased into um, Starliner Starliner carved tops, uh, 2016s when we did Titan, that was the the year we launched that, um, that went pretty much how I expected it would go. Uh, you know, it, it ran pretty hard for a couple of years and then it kind of just petered out and, uh, um, yeah, we did that. And then, uh, super chief came out. Super chief is my favorite thing that we make. I mean, it's everything I've ever wanted to make in a guitar. It's been probably the reason I've been in a bit of a rut because I don't, really know what to do right now like i I can't think of what to top that guitar um so that was all bc before covid um you know things were good we we got to do a lot of fun stuff and it was moving kind of the right direction but it was um still kind of a struggle to be honest i mean it's always a struggle but like then covid hit and you know we got the shelter in place order. And I thought, well, this is it, you know, we're going to be done. I'm going to lose all the new guys and I'm going to, uh, you know, I, I told everybody to file for unemployment cause I had no idea what was going to happen. And thankfully we had, you know, a fair amount of customers kind of rally and put some stuff on the books early on. And then like three months in, so we got a, you know, we got that money and we got a PPP loan, thank God. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we also, uh, amazingly like timed this to the day we got a because we're we were had just started working with guitar center and that was uh which is a whole other discussion but like they're the only people that pay a little differently than the rest of our dealers so what we tend to do is kind of and we were trying to buy the plec which we had bought uh, at that point so we were kind of grouping as much work together 
from them to send at one time so that the check would be big, um, which was not normally how we do things. And uh, but it's one of the few opportunities I have that I can get kind of a nice large check and then write a nice large check to somebody in return, right. <laughs> <laughs> which is basically how we bought the play. Because otherwise, it's kind of you know we get billed as each guitar is done, and we you know it's it's kind of the I mean. You, you can't really see it. it's kind of that like smooth you're you know progressively outrunning the bills but sometimes it's nice to get that one big check and and do something that you can't do otherwise uh, but that check had come in i mean i kid you not this is how it went down it came in on a, i don't know like a wednesday it was in my wallet to go to the bank that day uh, or that next day uh on thursday um to cash and then write some checks on friday and shelter in place happened thursday wow. um, that day and so like you know, I kind of emailed the couple people that I had bills I was about to pay. And I was like, I, I have no idea what's going to happen. Uh, and, and I knew they were in the same boat and everybody just kind of went, just we'll figure it out. And so like we were in a position where we could kind of ride that out. And then we had some customer work come in and we rode that out and then we got a PPP loan. Uh, and then, so everybody stayed home for like three months. Uh, and I just went to the shop and worked solo because <laughs> can't infect myself, I guess, right. uh, <laughs> you know, but the crazy thing was at the end of those three or four months, I mean, we had probably, I don't know. I mean, this makes it sound big time, but it's not, but we probably had 150 or $200,000 of work evaporate when shelter in place happened. Like it just, everything paused or canceled or, you oh. know, and, and, and I didn't have any hard feelings cause I, you know, no one knew what was going on. Um, but like three months in, I was starting to get panicky emails from, from dealers like, you know, Hey, we've sold everything. What, what do you have right now that you can send, send us? And I'm like, not much. Cause I've been working by myself, but, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and then it's just been that way for the last year and a half. It's, it's been insane. I, I, it makes me feel really guilty saying that. Cause I would trade every bit of this to be out of the pandemic in a heartbeat, like, you know, in an absolute heartbeat, there's been so much other stress and other things that have gone on because of this. Uh, but it's been fortunate for us because, you know, I've got five people that depend on me and I, you know, they've been paid, they've been able to work. We've been able to get bonuses and raises to everybody and, and be in a position that I've fought for 13 years now to be in, honestly, like finally feeling like the shops firing on all cylinders and, you know, I have a year and a half backlog of work right now. And it's not because we're not getting to it. Like it's, it's coming in, you know, finally have same thing. Like it's taken me 13 years to get good dealers. Uh, we, last time we talked, we weren't even doing dealers. We, right. we had had bad experiences with stores. Um, and, you know, we're finally, I think a well enough established brand that the stores that we would have liked to have been in, we're finally in and doing business with. And so we, you know, we've had some really good really fortunate luck and we we tried to pay that back as much as we could with all the raffle work we did last year and donation guitars and you know supporting food banks and just trying to help people get through this as best we could you know we've been real fortunate um i got covid in january when my family got exposed outside of work we have never had an exposure at work everybody at the shop has kept it tight um you know they because i kind of knew it like I would feel horrible if I got somebody sick, but I would also like to keep the shop going to keep everybody paid. So it's kind of, you know, the hippie in me is 
the the empathetic side and the greedy capitalist in me and the other side's like no i can't shut down we got too much to do (laughs) so it's it's been crazy you know we we kind of went through a similar situation with string joy when when Mm -hmm. when the lockdowns first happened i still remember to this day where i was because you know I wasn't going around and seeing anybody and I wasn't like going, you know, into stores other than just to get the bear and get out. But like, I remember like I was in one of those situations where I I was headed to a safe way and I got a call from Scott and we, I mean, I talked to him almost every day, so that's not usual, but we, I was pacing outside of the safe way on the phone with him and we were basically like ran all the numbers and we're like, we've got six months. Like, Which was good, really. I mean, we yeah. had, <laughs> you know, <laughs> three days later, we would have had about a week's worth of income oh, left. <laughs> yeah, well, we, well, you know, it was just a, and that was that was a progressive thing. It wasn't like yeah. it wasn't like everybody can stay home permanently for six months. It was okay. Well, after this many weeks, we yeah. gotta we gotta get rid of this thing, and we're gonna have yeah. to let this person go on unemployment, and we're gonna and like it was like a progressive yeah. thing to get there but it was like we got six months of nothing and we're done we're, we're yeah. done and that was yeah. kind of terrifying because they've worked so hard and you know and i've poured a lot of my mental energy into it as well and it's sure. a big part of my identity in a lot of ways at this, at this point yep it's trying to help yep. the company along and uh it was really weird to think like wow this is all just gonna go away dude it was it was scary i mean i I could, the shop would have survived. I, I, I could do the bare minimums enough by myself to, to know that I wasn't going to miss rent. You know, I wouldn't do much, wouldn't accomplish much more than that, but I could pay rent, get enough out to keep that going. But I would have lost, I was worried I was going to lose, especially Andrew's been with me 10 years. I mean, that's an irreplaceable guy. Uh, right. And I had, we, we had just kind of, you know, leading up to that brought, almost an entire turnover on our crew. Like uh, uh, Ben and Tyler had left. So I uh, had a new painter. Well, at the time uh, she's more of a painter now than she was at the time, but she was helping like the first half of finishing. And I had a new assembly guy and I had a a new guy, Logan, who was doing cutting and buffing and kind of uh, helping with the racks and doing kind of shipping and that stuff or kind of our pitch guy. But it was weird. Like, I mean, we went to, uh, so we got the plec. um, Joe Glazer flew out. We got it right at the beginning of the year. Uh, it showed up right after I came back from Winternam. And then Joe flew out from Nashville uh, two weeks before the world shut down, like like right there. And I remember we were having this discussion. He's like, yeah, I think I haven't seen her yet. Like he and his girlfriend had just had traveled internationally before Nam, and then they split up. And, you know, he's like, yeah, she's sick right now. I think she might actually have COVID. And I remember thinking, yeah, okay, maybe, whatever. Right. Uh, you know, and then we kind of could feel the way that things were going. And we went to uh, a Kings game, Sacramento Kings game. And that was the game where the NBA shut down. They came out, sang the national anthem, and then went, you have to leave. Uh, and it was uh, because we what? were playing the jazz. And that was like the day before. Uh, it was the guy that licked all the microphones that yeah. tested positive. That was the day before. Okay. And like he tested positive in the locker room as they were coming out to play. And that was it. Like they shut it down and we walked out and went, yeah, we might've made a big mistake coming here. <laughs> right. And then, and then that was the next day is when everything shut down. Like it was that, like, I mean, it was, it was, 
it is a, I know, you know, I'm sure people are tired of hearing about, but it is a surreal event to have gone through, still be going through, um, you know, and how, I mean, just like a switch, that was it. You know, it wasn't something that, you know, we kind of just kept thinking, well, you know, we'll maybe we'll get it contained, whatever, whatever, not a, not a big deal. And then it was like, oh no, they sent everybody home and across the state, like it's done. Like we're, it's a big deal. <laughs> yeah. It, it's so, so strange because like I remember the last in-person podcast. People are so tired of me talking about this. <laughs> I haven't talked to Doug in a long time. Cut me some slack. The first in-person or the last in-person podcast I did was with the, uh, one of my favorite songwriters, Dave Hawes. He was in town. We went to the concert. My wife and I had a great time. We hung mm. out with them and recorded for uh, who knows how long. It was great. Like, it was <laughs> fantastic. I can't believe I get to do this. And we went, had a great time at the show, went home, and it was literally like that next day. Yep. Yep. Everybody was, my whole Instagram feed was nothing but my favorite artists canceling their tours, including yeah. Dave. Like, we just saw Dave. <laughs> like, like we were literally just talking to him he's like gotta cancel the tour it was it might have been the oh, it might have been two days later it was yeah it was somewhere in that but still like that yeah. yeah it was just like i was just talking to him and now the tour's canceled yeah and then like as things started rolling around i and the podcast listeners will probably remember this it's like oh i didn't it was not quote unquote here at the time mm-hmm. <laughs> but my super had COVID in December of 2020. <sighs> like we, I didn't know that's what it was. I just knew we'd sure. been so sick in our whole life. Yep. It was yep. insane. And I was oh, like, yeah. worst flu I've ever had. I don't know what's going on. We both were going, I don't know what's going on. Our whole family was just like dropping food off at the door. And this was before COVID was. Yeah. And in retrospect, it's like, yeah, we didn't test, but we super had it. Yep. Like, there's no way that we didn't that, that happened to uh, us or my sister-in-law uh, was uh, my wife's uh, brother's wife's brother's family. So she, my sister-in-law, uh, she was going to community college to get a different degree. And uh, same thing, like they had just just started having cases at that, like right as everything was shutting down, they had an outbreak there and they got just insanely sick. Uh, like, had to go on for oxygen treatment sick. And, but, but that was right when like this was starting and the tests were garbage. And so they kept testing her and it kept coming back negative, but she had all of it, you know, Mm -hmm. the breathing issues and the no smell, no taste and all of it. And like, like, you have it. We don't know why the test says you don't, but you have it. Yeah. Uh, And that was, yeah. I mean, that was same thing. We were dropping food at the door. Like, you know, don't, don't even get near. And, you know, Mm -hmm. thankfully when it went through our house, we, it's unscientific of me to say it this way. I, I do believe that a lot of how sick you get, at least maybe before Delta is how much exposure you get right off the bat in one shot. And I think at least the mitigation measures we had been taking knocked it down to where it was something that stayed kind of within what our immune systems could handle. Cause we, my, my two youngest and I got it, my wife managed to avoid it and we all had it very mildly. Thank God. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was, you know, three weeks of lost time in the shop for me. It was okay. Not gonna lie. Kind of nice. Uh, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know, I felt bad for my poor wife. Cause we all basically just took corners of the house and, you know, couldn't do anything. If she got, she had to sleep on an air mattress in the family room for like three weeks. And 
you know, try to teach from the home because she was she's a teacher. So she was still teaching classes and dealing with the kids uh, and Zoom issues, which is constant, which is why I had to move rooms to get this to work a second time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and I'm in the bedroom just hearing it all. I'm like, I can't come out and help. So good luck. <laughs> I just watched Star Trek and texted Mike Adams a bunch just to nerd out and be right. past the time. And, you know, it was kind of nice. It's kind of what I'm doing again right now, a little bit, honestly. But, uh, yeah, it, it was, man, it's, it's been an experience. It, it, it has, I think fundamentally though, the thing I will always be most proud of with my business is especially before kind of the wave of business picked up, like that stretch of, being able to hustle and keep all my guys, none of them had to actually go on unemployment, um, which was thankful because it took so long before they even got, you know, anything from EDD. And that's not their fault. I mean, I'm, you know, a few million people applied on the same day, I'm sure. Right. right. Uh, you know, and, and I got everybody paid. I didn't get, nobody in the sick shop got sick. We were able to come back to work at some point and keep things going. And that that's a big accomplishment. It is. It's a, it's a good thing. And it's a, you know, weirdly, like like in that same conversation, it was like where we got six months. It was like weirdly and somewhat unexpectedly, although, you know, hindsight's 2020. So sure. it kind of makes sense. Ah, 2020. But, um, <laughs> but uh, the guitar industry it performed fabulous. Nuts. It yeah. went absolutely insane. I mean, uh, Fender's and, and Gibson or Fender sold. I know that from talking to some people that work there. They sold more guitars in 2020 than they've ever sold ever. Yeah. Yeah. And they said the same thing in 2019. Yeah. So, <laughs> I, yeah I think Taylor was the same, same way and Taylor's and, back was backlogged like it felt like 6 months into it Taylor was backlogged like a year and a half or something yep. I was hearing. So yep. it's just insane and now we're struggling with uh I'm sure you can relate to this trying to get materials, you know, mm-hmm. just, just barely keeping up with, with that. And it's, yep. it's, it's a pain. And uh, it's been I tough when that is going to not be an issue. <sighs> I don't know. We, we've had all kinds of stuff. Bigsby's have been unobtainable for a year and a half. Um, nickel plated firebird tuners, uh, the Clusons that we get suddenly four months out. Uh, you know, I had to go through and buy all of them anywhere I could find them online, any price. Mm-hmm. I bought them all. Uh, you know, Mitch and Emerson had issues with getting pots, and so we had to switch brands temporarily, right? Uh, and of course, right as you know, and then like that's the other thing people don't understand right now. Like, I'm buying quantities under the guise of I may need it three months from now, and they have it now, so I'm going to buy all of it, right? Uh, which is not normally how we operate, so we're tripping over parts and cardboard, and you know pots and whatever we can get and then there's always just something like that's one upside i and i've kind of always intentionally done this but clues uh tuners have always been a struggle a bit so banshee the set necks and coronas use different tuners for each one so the, you know banshee always uses the banjo style right and we use spurzel for the set necks and then we use hip shot for coronas so at least i've got some flexibility there if one is out of production or stock for a while I can shift over to building something else. And that's kind of what we've been doing. And like, but some stuff is like the pots are tough because we, you know, we really love the Emerson's. And so it was really tough when we got to a point where we're like, I had to buy something else for a while. And it kind of broke, broke my heart for Mitch a little bit. And it finally caught up and worked out, but yeah, it's been crazy. Uh, 
Wood has been okay-ish for us because we use kind of an odd combos of wood that is not super commercial demand. Right. Um, it's not and and we buy so much of it. And the, the mill and the lumber company we work with, they're really good about it. So that hasn't been huge except for swamp ash. And that's not just me. That's everybody's problem. Um, but the thermal pine, Spanish mahogany, wengate, that's all good. Um, bamboo for the racks has actually not been too difficult to get. But it went up in 2016 when a bunch of tariffs got put in place and has never come down. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've been kind of eating the middle on that for a while, for four or five years now. And I'm going to have to finally just raise prices. I give up. Uh, <laughs> <you know? laughs> but yeah, it's been it's been a challenge. It's been real weird cases. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I love the guys at Mono. It was like Mono's like third OEM account. Like I've been with them forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I had to get a little shit with him because it just like it just kept getting strung along with no real answer. And I was like, I know it's not entirely your fault, but I kind of need to know because I can't get paid until I can ship. Um, so if I can't get cases, I need to know. And I don't need to know after I've been waiting for three weeks. Right. <laughs> that I don't that you don't know when. Like I need. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We yeah. need to get, if you can get me info up front. I can plan accordingly, but I, I don't want to find out after the fact. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah. They, and they came through too. They always do. It's just, just been, and that's frustrating because it's that same thing. Like we are so busy. We have never been this busy in my life. And it crushes me every time I feel like we're like, I don't, I, I, I want to make sure that we come out of this. I don't want to say ahead, but have done as much as we could do during this and positioned ourselves to stay in kind of this level. Uh, I mean, you know, we're not making Taylor levels of guitars. We're not even making Anderson levels of guitars. We're doing, you know, four a week completed right now. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're producing more than that. It's, I need to find a second assembly guy full time, which we have a part-time guy that is going to come back in next week and I'm can be hopefully work him up because it's, that's where the bottleneck is currently. But, um, yeah, you know, I, I like, I don't know. I like making people happy. I like getting guitars out the door and I like paying bills. So right. <laughs> well, I love paying the bills, but I, I, like, I like being you know. able to. So yeah. <laughs> that is a different thing. Yeah. <laughs> pay the bills. I hate doing it. I don't want to pay yeah. bills. Oh, we don't need but it, bills. I do like having the lights on and I like living indoors. So I'll, yep. I'll do it begrudgingly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> the alternative is not too appealing let's it's not as fun no (laughs) (laughs) so with all that being said all that busyness that you're experiencing Mm -hmm. have you had even time to play like no oh god no (laughs) no it's 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 actually gotten embarrassing so kind of same boat like when when everything shut down my wife and i were playing because she plays guitar Oh, she um, but she sings mostly she's she and she plays keyboard and she's very talented uh, and her whole family are all musicians and stuff and that's kind of how her and i met in the first place um but so we had started playing guitar acoustic together a lot and then even that just kind of in that drudgery of our kids constantly being home and around and not being able to go anywhere it kind of you know i just haven't played nearly as much as i should in the last year two years honestly and because i don't do assembly normally i don't really play that play new stuff all that often like if it's a new design i'll go in and play it you know so like when the first coronas hit uh i was you know even though it's essentially a fancy titan kr1 right um 
you know, I like it was the first time I did Ash and Pine, and so I wanted to play those. And and I, I actually the guitar that I play most often is is my Corona, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just don't get I, I have gotten time to play acoustic. I still get to play acoustic from time to time. Uh, but I what I haven't had in a year and a half uh, is what I call a pants flappingly loud uh, <laughs> amplifier <laughs> session. Like I just. Cause it, it literally, my kids just started school in person again yesterday. So like they have been home for almost two years and a year and a half and they do not find it entertaining uh, <laughs> at all. They're not, they don't like it. They're not impressed. Uh, actually my, my youngest, uh, I don't remember what hurt. She got in some tiff about cleaning her room or something. And like the way our house is kind of laid out. And because I have so many freaking amps, there's a row of amps that kind of lines the hallway that their bedrooms are off of. Uh, and so I think I took a page out of the Marines playbook and just cranked up my Benson that just happened to face her bedroom. Right. And just kept playing really loud guitar until she cleaned her room. And then, you know, she'd just be, yeah, stop. what are you doing? I'm like, well, stop when you start cleaning your room. I can't do it. Okay, here we go. Right here back go. More at power it. cords. <laughs> I was like, man, that amp sounds good. I forgot how good that amp is. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that's it. Like, it's just, you know, Nick, my assembly guy, uh, he works, he comes in later, um, but he stays after I leave and he has his own key to lock up the shop. And, but there's definitely times I'm like, did it really take you that long to put that guitar together? Or were you just playing around at the shop? Cause no one was there. He's like, no, I was playing around. <laughs> <laughs> like, I get it. I used yeah. to do that too. Totally. <laughs> So going back to the Titan stuff, you said it went yeah. pretty much how you anticipated it. Yeah. Um, I don't know that the general public necessarily feels the same way. I think a lot of people are like, wait, what happened? Sure. Maybe you can explain the rise and and I guess not yeah. all, but like the discontinuing eh. of the line. No, it fell. Yeah. So Titan, if for people who don't know, was our attempt to do a sub $2,000 guitar, which is if anyone had ever talked to me who was trying to start a boutique guitar business would know that I've told them it's impossible. Um, and it's impossible for a couple reasons. It's not the money as much. You can do it. Now I have three CNC machines. I have a UV computerized UV curing booth. I mean, we only spray UV finishes. We didn't have the Plec at the time, but we were buying. It was part of why we did it under a different brand was we were buying the necks from Grover Jackson and they were, they were built to our spec and plect to help us save us some time. Um, the problem is not so much the money it's what you're competing against at that money at any price point, whether it's five grand or 2000 or 1500 bucks, whatever. So when you're in that 12 to $2,000 range, the people that buy those guitars and not always, but this has been my experience. That's the amount of money that they have available to spend on a guitar. Mm-hmm. Uh, the problem is at $1,500 that also buys you a nice fender that buys you a decent. Well, are there any decent Gibsons? Okay. That's a whole other thing, uh, but a decent bigger name guitar and more often than not, that's what people want. They, they're, it, you know, if they're moving up the stratosphere in terms of what they can spend uh, or up the, the pyramid, let's say, you know, that's usually what they want is their first like good Fender, their first good Gibson. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so it, so you're competing against that in a way that a four thousand dollar banshee is not because if you've got four grand to spend on a banshee you've already gone through all the fender stuff and gibson stuff right <laughs> you know what i mean it, and, I'm, and i'm not begrudging at any price i'm not begrudging like i get it um so we would lose on the name first so that was kind of why i was skeptical if titan would work at all um I'm extremely proud of what we did because I cannot think now. I don't I think it's impossible to do it now with, with inflation, not inflation, but the way prices have gone up on so much stuff. Uh, but at the time in 2015, 2016, we built an entirely California made guitar. So we made the body. Grover made the neck. Uh, the pickups came from Seymour Duncan and not the import line like the Southern California American made Duncans. Uh, it had Godos. That was probably the only part that was overseas, really. Uh, besides the pots and the switch, which, you know, you can't even get. Uh, but they were Emerson's pots uh, and a CRL or a switchcraft jack, switch and jack, uh, Dunlop strap buttons. And the bridge was made in Nashville at Advanced Plating. It was a real quality product. And we made that guitar for 1300 bucks out the door. Uh, and it was a hell of an accomplishment. And we made money. We could make money. Um, ultimately, we just ran up against two things. Well, three things. One was... I think we sold all of the ones we were ever going to sell. We just, it just kind of came to a stop and nothing we tried broke it loose past a certain point. Mm -hmm. Uh, So the only way to have gone beyond that would be to, I think realistically had a million dollar ad budget and advertise and you know how you do that when you're selling guitars for 1300 bucks, you know, it's, it's real difficult. Uh, So we ran up against that. And then ultimately what we ran up against was, and this is partially my fault. If we had been smart in the beginning and staffed up and created a staff to just do Titans, uh, it may have lasted a bit longer. Not not likely, but it could have gone longer. But we got to a point where as Titans started to drop, two things had happened with Cower. One, like 2016, all we made was Titans. I think we made like 25 Cowers that year. We were so busy on Titan. We just didn't have the time. Like that was the staffing problem. Uh, we couldn't do both. And then as Titan started to drop and we kind of put our foot back on the gas for Cower, Cower kind of went up quickly. And suddenly it was like, well, the same four people are going to be building this guitar either way. And am I either going to have them work on the guitar that we make 300 bucks on or 400 bucks on, or am I going to have them work on the one that makes us maybe $1,500? And it became kind of a no-brainer at that point. You know, once once those two things kind of evened up and it wasn't enough st- Titan demand to generate that I would have felt comfortable bringing staff on just to do this, that at that point, it was over with, you know, it just, it just kind of one of those things that it, you know, became unsustainable at a certain point. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it's frustrating because the guitar was so good. Uh, and again, that's why it became the Corona. Uh, I love it. I still play, I actually play mine a lot still. Uh, and the one thing that didn't happen that I was sure that was going to be what killed Titan um, was that the used value stayed really well, honestly. Oh, they nice. didn't immediately flood out on the used market. Um, and I think a lot of that was because of when, at the time when we were doing the pick guard options, uh, that kept it as a guitar that you didn't necessarily want to sell. You could just buy a new pick guard, load it out with different pickups, and then have it, you know, and so that kept them off the used market. Um, from a you know because we made like 300 of them mm-hmm. um, and we did quite a bit so that you know and, and in the past anytime we had done a guitar like daylight or junior was like this like that was our originally supposed to be open grain you know 
three color choices, no options, P90 wraparound only thing. And then it became something that immediately had gloss finish and a bunch of options. And the price <laughs> didn't really go up. And then immediately they all ended up in the used market and for cheap. And it was always, I'm like, it's probably don't make too many juniors, even though I freaking love a junior. It's people buy it because it was the cheapest thing we made at the time. And then they immediately realized, oh, I wish I had two pickups. And then they just dumped it for cheap. And then it just killed us. Like it just, we did a ton of them. And then it switched, like it literally switched off and we never made another one. Like we couldn't mm-hmm. give them away. Uh, and so Titan thankfully didn't do that. Uh, you know, and, and they still actually hold their value pretty well. Also, when you start at 1300 bucks, I mean, how much lower can you go before it's right. just to part it out? <laughs> you know, uh, but yeah. And, and then like, you know, the equivalent Titans that we were doing that had Lawlers or TV Jones, because you could get them like that. You had to pay the difference. You know, they were 18, 1900 bucks. They weren't cheap guitars. Mm-hmm. Uh, they weren't expensive, uh, in, in, in my opinion. Uh, you know, we're. You know, they basically would have ended up about two grand if we were toward twenty two hundred bucks right around the end. And you figure Corona is about three with pine or ash instead of basswood and binding and gloss finish. That's what you're paying for. Otherwise, it's basically the same. Mm-hmm. Um, and the roast, you know, maple neck and stuff and, and some other things. But, um, you know, that's that's where our price difference is, is in, is in the upscale version of it. Right. Um, but, yeah, it was tough. It was I mean, it was a lot of fun. And we. It did accomplish some, like, we definitely had people that bought Titans, and even recently, uh, and then moved up to Cowers, which is great. Um, it's just, it was just kind of, just kind of went how I figured it would go. <laughs> I was going to ask you if you thought that most of the people who bought Titans were already, like, thinking about a Cower. If you maybe yeah. sabotage some Cower sales by having the Titan. I think in the short run, probably, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, you know, and I definitely had a lot of early adopters were cower owners and, and, you know, there is a lot to be said for the cool thing about was a Titan is you got a satin finished cower essentially that you didn't care if you beat up on a, you know, blues jam night or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, you know, versus a nice Argonaut or a super cheap or something where you maybe don't want to take that out. Right. With a show. So we definitely had some of that too. And that was nice. Um, you know, but not enough to keep it going, uh, yeah. ultimately. And actually, ironically, it was the pick guards that finally made was like, I'm done. I'm, I'm done doing this. Really? They were, they're, they're still a pain in the ass. <laughs> like they're, I was actually, before I came home today, was doing Corona pick guards. And a lot of that's the CNC. Um, you know, it's just a pain. It, our old CNC is kind of a pain in the butt. And I've been moving stuff over to the new one. But they're just time intensive. Like, especially because we started getting to the point where like people were ordering pick cards with like, I want a jazz master in the bridge and a Jaguar in the neck. And I want a law, you know, a firebird in the neck or uh, no, I'm sorry, a Jag in the middle and a firebird in the neck. And they're from three different companies. And, and I want the switching options. And it was just like, you'd make this pick guard and, you know, by like the end of the day, or a pick guard. <laughs> oh, it has to be more than that. Honestly, yeah. by the end of the day, I have a full day into it. Mm-hmm. Plus the cost of parts and hardware. And then you would have to, you know, ironically, you'd, especially when you got into situations where you had two different pickup suppliers, there was always phasing issues. So you'd have to throw it in a junk body to put a string across it to make sure that it was all the pickups were in phase. And I'm like, man, I'd have, if I got eight hours into this thing, plus parts and, you know, hardware, I'm like, 
Wow. It's going to be a $1,200 pick card. <laughs> and we were making like, there were like three or four, like, you know, they, we weren't, we weren't making money on any of it. Uh, uh, and so I was like, yeah, this is, this is not, this is not sustainable. Yeah. <laughs> the good news is, uh, cause I still get people who ask about, um, Andrew at Deco boom, uh, designs, he has all of the Titan files. And so he can still make pick cards for people. And if you just are willing to put them together yourself, you could still get the pick cards, at least the, the physical pick card. Right. Um, so that's been pretty good. Cool. Cool. Yeah, that's interesting. I I really wanted to talk to you about that because like I've been really involved in like trying to do I don't want to say the same thing, but like looking at like the economics of doing a line that's more in that ballpark. Mm-hmm. And it's like I'm running I'm seeing all the same things that you're talking about. I'm just like, yep. Wow. You know, the economies of scale that Fender has to has to have to make really nice guitars at that price point is bananas yeah i mean the, i had a conversation once and like okay so we let's say um godos okay which are great they cost me 45 50 a set uh mm-hmm. which is amazing it's a good price for them yeah fender will pay more than like three cents for guitars worth of tuners like right. they don't you know that's just and they can do that because they do yeah, because they're gonna thousands order, a month yeah yeah million <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know and so we were doing things that fender can do uh and we were making it work but just barely like uh without all the advantages that fender has and stuff uh, the only person i know who's really been successful i think doing the sub two thousand dollar thing uh dunnable with seemed to be doing pretty well with that uh at least i don't know where they're at now price wise but they had kind of the the import thing they were doing that was went pretty well um, and Soli at Soli Guitars has his import line. And I don't even know if that's below two grand anymore, mm-hmm. um, but it's Korean made line. And But it takes same boat. Like, okay, so you go to Korea, you know, or figuratively, you get your line of guitars made, you bring in a literal container load of them. Now you got to figure out where you're going to put a container load of them. And you have to uh, have capital to order a container load of them. Yep. Yep. And then you got to store them and yeah. ship them and set them all up. And then you still get. You know, he's got a pretty high attrition rate for stuff he rejects. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so you got all those that you got to deal with. And and uh, yeah, it sucks. It's tough, man. It's real tough. Yeah. I was going to say the only one I can think of that's doing it right now, and he's doing it at like a very small scale because it's just him, is a boot over at B.A. Ferguson. Yep. Because yep. I ordered one. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I love boot. That guy's the best, man. So awesome. Uh, but I, I ordered one from him. And I was thinking about it. I'm like, man, th- this can only work in a very specific situation. Yep. You know? Yep. He's and I, I would, to be honest, I don't know how he's making it work. Like, I, I, I mean, I know how he's making it work, but he's, I think he's undervaluing himself more than trying to make a bargain. I think it's more, I don't think he, yeah, I don't know. I, cars are really good. Yeah. Dude, the flyweight's killer. I love what he does. Yeah. Uh, uh, I think it's killer. And, you know, and then, okay, same thing though. Like I have all the resources at my disposal, uh, and and now with the Plec and Corona is thirty two hundred bucks now on average. Like I just can't. Now it's also because we're selling the dealers, so I have to factor that in too. Right. Um. You know, I. But I don't think I could do a direct only for less than twenty three hundred dollars now. Uh. You know, on anything. Uh. You know, that's that's kind of like. <laughs> maybe two grand would be right about the limit but right you know it's tough 
it's a it's a weird thing and the uh, scale plays into that so much and that's what people don't really understand that's what's so you know and we're we're just turning this into the business episode but i guess (laughs) no it's it's important like i get i get people who kind of do that hasn't happened in a while but like you know how it goes like you know all your guitars overpriced like dude come work in the shop for a week and tell me it's overpriced Mm -hmm. order cardboard and tell me what's overpriced right (laughs) just to get the packaging that we use for the boxes for our guitars was it's thousands of dollars and i have to buy you know hundreds of boxes at a time and the packing inserts and it's a cool system that we have and we we designed one box that works for everything we make regardless of the if it's banshee length or regular and it's amazing still costs a fortune Mm -hmm. and it's not like i can buy one at a time i gotta buy i have three pallets oh my god the shop has my shop looks like an amazon factory there's like pallets of cardboard between the drs line and the guitar line there's just they're everywhere like I, i actually have to bring out uh another i have another unit of material which is a thousand more feet uh and i had to call our supplier i'm like don't bring it yet like i because of my absence from the shop last week i haven't finished getting through the glass but like there's just no room and i got six thousand square feet and there is no room (laughs) well i have three thousand feet the other half is the other business but uh, the other three thousand feet, but it's the same thing. We we share the space, so yeah, it's sort of counts. <laughs> it, it's such a it's such a crazy thing for most people to even think about. Like, I remember I was talking to this is years and years ago. Like a, uh, like I guess a, he was a business consultant. I didn't really have mm-hmm. a business at the time, but I was just floating some different things, and and you know I was thinking. First, it's it's hilarious now to think about, but I was like, what about guitar strings? And he's like, do you realize how many guitar strings you'll you'll have to sell to actually make this work? And I was like, oh. Yeah. That sounds bad. Fast forward like a year and a half and I <laughs> get involved with Scott, you know? But like really, really, truly, like you go to that place and it's like, there are literally thousands of sets of strings go- going out of that place in order to make it work. Yep. Oh, you know? yep. And the things that go into, like, that's why there's, <laughs> that's why there's not that many string companies actually making yeah. that stuff. Because it's really absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> Well, so you know, it's certainly the last year has exposed a lot of that. I think mm-hmm. you know, where with how much industry, uh, disru- I guess, I'm sorry to sound techie, industry disruption there's been. You right. know, you don't think about, uh, you know, the the uh, my my cardboard supplier. Okay, um, the dyes they use, they don't make those in house. The guys that make the dyes don't, you know, they depend on something else and then it depends on somebody else and then depends. And then all of a sudden you can't get what you need because seven links removed from here, uh, is got an issue. And it's like, Oh my God. Uh, you know, and ironically on that same note, I, I've learned more about cardboard in the last three years than I ever wanted to know. <laughs> uh, my neighbor is the sales rep manager for one of the biggest cardboard factories facilities in the Sacramento Valley. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, I mean, and they, they're not, you know, international, but like for this one, they literally don't have time for anyone who's not an Amazon. And that's what I heard from almost every place I dealt with. It was like, I finally found one place that would return my phone calls just to get boxes made. And I had to buy like 2000 of each box. And these are not small boxes, you know, and finally I've kind of found out the place we use now is great. We can work a little smaller quantities, but like, that stuff is what happens when you're little, man. Yes. It sucks. <laughs> you go like, okay, we're going to order boxes and we're going to have to order 40,000 boxes. Like, yeah. 
<laughs> like, what in the world is going on right now? We, we, we reached a point with one of the boxes for the racks that for one item of the racks that we don't do much business in. And the way they designed the packaging just doesn't work. And finally, I was like, I just hauled them. I hauled 2,000 boxes to a recycling yard because it's like, I'm never going to use them. I'm just, we realistically don't have the space. And I would, I need to redesign the packaging anyway, because it's just not working. We're, we're losing about half of them to damage. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I don't know what else to do with this stuff. I get like, I guess just recycle it. Yeah. You know? <laughs> like, well, huh, it was nice just to light all that money on fire. And yep. That, yep. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But these are the things that like, I really don't think that consumers in general no. think about. And no. I think about it now for everything. I'm yeah. like, we're gonna, my wife gets annoyed with me. I'm like, Sometimes, I mean, there's a, here's a good example of economies of scale at work. I was at the local uh, Fred Meyer, which is our, it's yeah, a, you know, love Fred Meyer. Yeah, Fred Meyer rules. A lot of people don't know what Fred Meyer is, but yeah. Looking at barbecues, just as I'm walking by, it's a big, like a not huge, but a regular size stainless steel barbecue, gas fired, one ninety nine. I'm Jeez, like, okay, I'm like. How is that barbecue? <laughs> the steel's worth more. Uh, like, yeah, I'm like, the stainless steel, it's big. It had to get shipped here. I know it ships in yeah. a box, but somebody put it together. It shipped here in a fairly large box. I know it was made overseas, so they're shipping. Yeah. There. I'm going, how many of these barbecues did they have to order from the manufacturer for the manufacturer to make it work? Yeah. And to be able to sell them for a guitar pedal price. Yeah, it's crazy, right? <laughs> in the world? I'm, I'm just going, my mind's just blown. She's like, why do you care about this stuff? I'm like, well, it's really interesting if you actually start yeah. working on this stuff. Yeah. It shows you what, how important scale is to a business. It, it really that was, that was one of the biggest takeaways from Titan that I will never be upset about why, it, even, even though it petered out, mm-hmm. was we approached Titan like that. Like, hey, if we get rid of two pick guard screws, it saves us this cumulative. If we... Hey, if I can squeeze a dollar out here and a dollar out there or save an hour here and pay a little extra to save that hour, is it, you know, those kinds of lessons. And, and it was the first time we had done guitars where it was consistently one model uh, and made them over and over and over again. And that really was good at exposing problems that we were having in terms of how we did things, how we produced things, how we bought things that we couldn't see on the, this week we're going to do three Starliners and next week's two Banshees and the, you know, that kind of pinging back and forth. And like, and then not only that, by consistently making the one model, like finding ways to, you know, I've been programming this old CNC for 22 years. I've got the new one now that's, that's slowly coming online for guitar stuff, finding those little ways to squeeze 10 minutes out or five minutes out or 30 seconds or one less tool change or, you know, all those things. It, it, that really paid off regardless of how Titan went uh, for everything else. It, it, it doesn't always show as much, but like now that Corona's ramping up and when there's 70 or 80 Corona's on order right in this moment in time, um, you know, that helps. That makes a big difference, like right. learning right. those lessons. So. Yeah. And these are the things they don't teach you in, in most schools. Yeah. <laughs> they just don't. You have it's to- not super interesting, I'm sure, podcast conversation, but it's a, it's a big part of it. It hasn't been, we haven't had a, a real businessy uh, episode <laughs> in a while. And it, it's, it's kind of nice because people need to understand, 
you know, you, you know, like you said, you still get people like this is overpriced. This is overpriced. That's overpriced. This should be this. I can buy this one for this much. It's like, okay, yeah. there's reasons why these things are what they are. You know, there's reasons why it's not like there's hardly anybody out there that's running a business that's working that they just arbitrarily arbitrarily were like, I guess that's the price. Yeah. You know? Unless you're in healthcare, I guess. Right. Oh, yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I'm not like driving away from the shop in my Ferrari and burning, you know, lighting cigars with hundred dollar bills. You know, it's, <laughs> it's a week to week struggle. You know, it's, it's, you know, uh, thankfully, I, I somehow managed to keep coming out ahead of it. I don't know how it's just luck and hustle and good, good, good people in the shop and stuff. But yeah, it's, mm-hmm. it's a struggle, man. Like it's every time I, you know, and luckily I, I think I haven't had that in a while, to be honest, I haven't had the general complainer. So maybe people have kind of, I don't know, given up on complaining or I, maybe that I just troll them back so hard that they people have learned not to do that on my Instagram. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, it's kind of been a weird. Like I was having this conversation with Scott Holiday uh, the other day. We're, we've got this baritone we're working on for. I mean, we're kind of Ooh. you know <laughs> stuck a little bit about on the theme or the finish because it's just you know. And I'm like, I feel like the downside to being so busy is I haven't had it, the upside is I don't have to think as hard about like what the next guitar is going to be. Cause it's, it's already written down what it's going to be. I don't know. We haven't made anything for fun in ages. Uh, but at the same time, we haven't made anything fun in ages, like or for <laughs> just for the sake of it, like with exception to, uh, so Dustin got the, uh, Mr. Sparkles Corona. So he got one of the first don't one of the first Coronas, which were the first 10 were all donate donated or 15. I think I can't remember how many it was. Um, and, He's like, I want a Mr. Sparkles theme Corona. And you were supposed to not have an option on what the donated Corona was going to be. But I'm like, <laughs> Dustin also owns a lot of my guitars. And he's such a great about, dude. talking about Dustin B, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, he's so, big, yeah, he's big tone mob guy, too. So shut up. Yep. yep. Yeah. And, and, and when he said Mr. Sparkles, like, yeah, I want to do that. And so that guitar was re- that came out ridiculous. It was I might honestly just steal it back for Nam because it's. I'm not going to have time to do something that ridiculous for Nam. Uh, and then I had. Uh, uh, ironically, we had two different people order two different guitars at this within a week of each other that were both Star Wars themed. Uh, and so one was a. This guy wanted a Corona, and it's, I wanted to look like Han Solo's pants, and I was like, "Is that a thing?" <laughs> oh, what? Yeah, I'm like. Or is that a sex thing? Like, is that like a really a, like a Star Wars thing? It was, thank God. Uh, and so that one came out like we went and that was sitting. I was like, I just went crazy on it because I was like, I haven't done anything weird in a while. So I had like push buttons that lit up for the pickup selectors. And like instead of uh, um, volume and tone knobs, it had sliders. So it looked like the throttle on a Millennium Falcon and just just dumb stuff. Uh, and then the other one was an R2-D2 Banshee, and so I get to do the same thing there. And I had, you know, the trick is for those, is there's a certain line you have to come up to and not cross before it goes from, like, this is fun and cool to, like, eh. like the <laughs> like the Corvette Les Pauls. You're like, oh, you just put Corvette on the fretboard, and now you want, no, nah, no, nah, that's not, you kind of missed it here. Like, you, you gotta, there's a line. Uh, and so those were really fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, but, like, Yes, yeah, so like Scott and I have been in this rut. Like he's like, oh, we could do this. I'm like, yeah, I could do that. It's like, well, what about this? So like, 
I can do that. He's like, well, can you make me a double neck baritone? I'm like, you already have the one double. I'm not doing that again. I, I did that. <laughs> Paul Gretsch, they like you. I'm not doing it. Uh, no, I, you know, whatever. But so it's been tough. It's like, that's the one tough thing. It's kind of sitting with like the guitar playing. Like we're, we're so busy. I don't have time to play guitar. We're so busy. I haven't had as much time to do just something weird for the fun of it, uh, you know, or whatever. But at the same time, I get a lot of credit for like outrageous finishes we do and have thought up over the years, but most of the time they're customer ideas. So it's, I, I, I mean, I like getting the credit for it. It's, I wish it was me. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's just not <laughs> most of the time. Um, so it's been kind of both like CME has been doing all those metal flake banshees and they've been a lot of fun. And, and uh, actually I actually have another one I have to post here uh, later today. Um, but like, you know, we get to do the, um, the shop truck, Super Chiefs a couple years ago. Those were Christmas presents for my dad and I. Those were cool. Uh, yeah, and they're not outrageously creative. They were just neat, fun ones to do. It's like kind of hoping – actually, we haven't talked about it yet, um, but one of the things we've been doing in the shop, we're, we were going to launch at NAM, but since we're scaling NAM back because I don't – not entirely convinced NAM is actually going to happen this year, uh, we're going to launch an employee build series, and they're still basically just built – in the shop like anything else, but they're specced out by Andrew or Alex or Logan or Nick. And they can do a couple things. They can do, they can pull from the back catalog that we don't offer to anybody else. So if they want to build a daylighter or an Argonaut or any of the discontinued models, they can do that. Um, they can do anything. They the, the key is they can do anything they want balanced with the fact that if that sells, they get 15% off the top of the guitar. Okay. Uh, okay. So it's so kind of a cool make something that they think people will like too. That's the trick. Yeah. <laughs> now, if they want to build something that they want, that's fine. But uh, you know, if they want to get a nice hefty bonus out of it, uh, essentially, then you know they got to kind of they got to be in my shoes a little bit. Where like I want to build something out a little weird, but I don't. You know, I got to be willing to own this thing if nobody wants it. Right. Uh, <laughs> you know, and so. Uh, Andrew's got a Starliner ex- Deluxe going right now with an Ambrosia top and the original style picker, which we haven't done in a few years. Uh, and then I think Alex and everybody's got something specked out, but I don't think they've really like pushed it into the pipeline yet. I've got a, a carved top Starliner I'm doing as a like an um, like a custom penguin, you know, with the, mm-hmm. the sparkle binding. I'm gonna do it like an ocean turquoise version. With the the gold binding and stuff, that will maybe be at Nam. That may just end up for sale. I don't know which yet. Um, so we we got a few. Seems a little unfair that I get to the claim a fifteen percent uh, cut, but uh, I mean I'm the lowest paid employee in the shop, so I think it's fair. <laughs> 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 we'll see. I don't really care if I, I get a cut, but I I'm doing that because I'm hoping to get them to kind of encourage them to do that to so start slipping ideas because they all have great ideas and. You know, it takes a little bit of the mental strain off of me so that, you know, I don't have to think of the few chances we get to slip something into production, um, you know, let them do it. So that, that'll be cool. And then Logan, um, who came on, oh, God, right at the end of time has no meaning now, 2019. Right. <laughs> he had just started uh, before everything kind of shut down. He's a uh, he worked Rickenbacker before us. He's a Guitar Institute grad. Uh, he's actually a bass player. And he has his own line of bases that he designed and we helped him finish. Like he had built like the last one before he moved to Sacramento. That was all the woodwork was done. So we finished it in the shop and I really liked it. And 
So I'm going to help him get that off the ground using the shop because he may only do a few or, a, you know, maybe a dozen a year. Um, and that gives me an opportunity to teach him what I'm hoping is he's going to learn how to use because he knows how to use the CNC, but not how to program it. Mm-hmm. Um, so and not really nobody in the shop has that skill set besides me. And when Paul was in the shop, you know, I taught him and then he could do it himself, too. So I'm hoping to, you know, kind of doing this with Logan, helping him get his bases going. Um, he'll, you know, I'm, I'm showing him how to do the programming and we're kind of working our way through it. And also, cause I want to do it exclusively on the new CNC. It's forcing me to get better about learning that software and stuff. And, and so, yeah, I think it's going to work. So that's kind of exciting. I'm, I'm looking forward to both of those things. I'm hoping maybe end of the year, we might have some stuff to show there uh, as employees. So it'll be kind of a cool thing to launch. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I don't know. I hope so. <laughs> Interesting, just to you know, get another creative brain in there that's not yours. You know, from yeah. like everyone's got a different perspective, and these people work on these all day long. Yep. You know. Yeah, and and like a lot of things. Everybody builds their own guitar in the shop at some point. Like Nick has a Corona, and Alex has a Super Chief. Um, that was actually her senior year project four years ago. Um, and Andrew's got a handful of guitars and stuff. So like they have stuff they've built for themselves. I want them to get used to the idea of specking out builds that they think will sell. And then I want them to be rewarded for it. Cause uh, you know, those guys, everybody in the shop works their butt off and, and we build a much better guitar as a team than I do by myself. So, uh, you know, I always want to take advantage of that. And it's not necessarily that like, it's not in the same regards of like, like I try to have when somebody builds a guitar for themselves, like Nick, who's at the end of the process, I like it. I, I wanted him to go through the start to finish at least once so that maybe when he's having issues at the end, if he sees that they're a consistent issue, he might know where in the chain that issue might be. Okay. So that's a good thing for everybody to do at least once. But this would be more like just spec it out. You're going to do your normal job on it and hand it off like you normally would. Uh, but it's your spec out one. So it'll be, a, you know. Cower Super Chief Alex spec or what you know whatever it's going to be or Andrew spec, mm-hmm. um, so I think it's going to be exciting. It'll be fun. It will be fun. <laughs> Excited to see what they come up with. That'll yeah, be- me too. All right, man. Well, we have uh, crested the hour mark, the magical hour mark. We'll yep. Slide over and do some uh, Patreon action. <laughs> <laughs> but before we do that, I've introduced some stuff. Uh, sure towards the end of the podcast these days that we didn't do in the beginning. So okay. first being, uh, before we get into the classic questions, uh, this is your chance to like grab the microphone and, you know, give a shout out to uncle Harold or <laughs> say whatever you want to say to, to a few thousand people. This is, uh, yeah. this is your time to shine. Well, you know, again, I just got to thank my crew, man. They, they, Alex, Nick, Logan, and Andrew, those guys, they all work their butts off and, and they've all, the funniest thing about the shop in that regard is like we've been trying to go through and hire a second assembly person and stuff almost with the exception of Nick, almost everybody I've hired ends up not doing the job. I thought I had hired them for <laughs> it ends up being a better fit somewhere else. And so it's always kind of this, like why I'm painting again and slowly whittling back out compared to four years ago when we had a kid who we hired to do sanding and ended up being a better painter or, you know, that kind of stuff. And, so it's fun to watch, you know, everybody grow in their own ways and find their little niche and they, they're doing a great job. And, you know, I'm very fortunate like that. I got a good, good wife who, yeah, 
this lets lets me do this for a living essentially right. <laughs> <laughs> because she, she has a real job uh and thankfully insurance which has been very critical this year apparently right uh, <laughs> but no uh, yeah those guys are all fantastic cool cool all right here we go we're going to get into the classic questions the first yep. one being what is your favorite boss pedal Ooh, boss pedal, huh? You know, I don't actually think I've ever had a boss pedal. Now that I think about it. Yeah, I, you know, I wasn't really a big pedal guy uh, growing up playing guitar. I think, okay, I will say, I had a boss tuner. I will say that. Um, (laughs) Right, right. You know, I had that, but I just didn't really have pedals very much. And I kind of skipped all of the, uh, like traditional mxr like i i I almost jumped entirely straight to boutique pedals and Mm -hmm. that was mostly because by the time i got into them i knew the guys i knew nick Greer, i knew josh i knew you know uh everybody uh so i i don't know i will say the best boss pedal is a metal zone i mean let's be honest yeah just for the the hilarity of it And plus, they're in, I mean, I hear they're injecting them into people these days. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I would be pretty happy if that was the case, actually. <laughs> Though Boss has the best enclosure. The the flip-up battery tray under the pedal is, I still think, the best uh, The best of those. Oh, the whole, the whole design is genius. It really yeah. is. Like, keep the battery separate from the circuit board. That's super smart. Yep. You can't kick the knobs very easily. It's yep. super smart. You can throw it across yeah. the yard and it will it's like pop- a nokia phone of pedals <laughs> yeah it'll <start> <laughs> likely uh yeah i i think it's a really really clever design and uh sure it looks cool too so somewhere josh scott's ready to on a plane to stab me right now probably but whatever <laughs> oh, he loves <laughs> no, i know <laughs> i never had one <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna tell him i'm gonna tell on you <laughs> all right okay and you did answer this one last time, but uh, you know sometimes people change. So let's sure. see if you did. What is your favorite kind of pizza? Oh, um, uh, okay. So there's a local pizza place. Ironically, this is a guy I knew in high school because he played guitar. They took over like the local pizza place that could never figure out why they kept going out of businesses because the crust and the cardboard were the same. So he had. <laughs> good crust and brought in like 40 beers and now they're gangbusters they have one that's my favorite and it is uh italian sausage mar- okay marinara sauce cheese italian sausage onions and like uh big dabs of mozzarella yeah. um that's probably my favorite my second favorite and okay i he i can only make this my second because he doesn't listen to a podcast is my eight-year-old um we were making pizza. I don't know. I want to blame the pandemic. This is probably before, but he made a pizza and I swear to God, this is, it sounds crazy, but it's dough, honey, mozzarella, um, apple slices, cinnamon. No, sorry, not honey on the dough. It's uh, just olive oil, uh, apple slices, honey drizzle, cinnamon. And I think we maybe put down, no, that was it. It's phenomenal. It's a ridiculous pizza. It's so really? good. <laughs> I mean, I have had hot honey on pizzas before. Mike, sure. Honey, um, it's, it's, oh, it's so, yep. 
So good. So I can see this working. Not my yeah. normal house, but I can see how that would work. I can't. It, it was funny because we made all these pizzas and uh, yeah, we that what ended up being the surprise. Mm-hmm. Uh, my all-time, all-time, uh, it was a place in Seattle that went out of business. Well, the guy retired years ago. And that might have been my original answer. Uh, it was called the Famous Spinach. And it was a like a Chicago deep dish in Seattle owned by a guy from San Jose, which, you know, of course, all of this makes no sense, but it was a great pizza, man. It was just like, you know, deep dish, wheat crust, marinara, spinach, cheese. That's it. And it was so good. I wow. miss that. We would fly to Seattle and it would be very much, we would drive straight there for pizza. Uh, <laughs> that was the, the the tradition. Nice. Nice. Well, good answers, Doug. Thank you for that. that <laughs> you asked the fat guy about food, you're going to get a lot of answers. <laughs> oh, the one thing that I care more about than music. <laughs> oh, man. You want to have a deep dive, we'll start talking about hamburger blends, and this will be a three-hour podcast. Well, we can do that on the Patreon section of this podcast. So do it. All right? Sure. Okay, cool. All right, everybody. For Doug, this is Blake. And as always, folks, good luck and good tones. There we go. There is an update from my dude, Doug. I hope you enjoyed that episode. I really had a good time talking to him. I always have a good time talking to him. He's a wonderful guy making wonderful instruments. So please check out his work. He is uh, definitely worthy of your attention. Please slide over to his social medias and give that a follow. One quick plug before I sign off for this week. If you have not already please make sure you sign up for the text chat if you would like some direct conversation with me. It is a really fun thing. I'm so glad I ended up doing it. It's kind of weird, admittedly. It's a little bit strange, but if you text 503-751-8577, you'll get a few automatic replies to allow you to opt into the chat. And then from there, it'll be a chat with me. So I'll send blasts out to the whole community about some article I've found or some cool thing or some random thing or a new song or, you know, kind of whatever. And then from there, it's a conversation between you and I. Each thread is individualized and it is genuinely me. That's my thumbs typing the text back and it's uh, not going to be shared with anybody ever. It's been a really nice way to stay in touch with people Some people are deleting their social media accounts and therefore not seeing some of the other Tone Mob content, and I totally understand that. And this has been a great way to stay in touch, especially during, even if that's not you, during the blackouts that we've had. Instagram goes out, Facebook goes out. We were still active on the text chat, and so that was a really good time. It was also kind of refreshing, like, hey, this is like the early 2000s all over again, which... (laughs) I guess it it is a bit of a throwback. New technology adopted in an old way. Old technology adopted in a new way. That's what it is. It's a good time. Check out the number in the show notes if that sounds like something you would like to be a part of. And yeah, let's sign off for this week. Thank you very much for hanging out. I will talk to you next time. Later, Hosen. One last thing before we totally sign off here. I just want to remind you that if you do any shopping at Stringjoy, that's Stringjoy Guitar Strings made in Nashville, that will help me out as well. As I've said for years, I'm heavily involved in that company, and I really do think they're making the best products on the market. So if you would like to try custom strings, go to ToneMob.com stringjoy, 
and check them out today. I seriously, seriously, seriously love what the team down there is doing. I help them out with all kinds of things, and by you supporting them, you are also supporting me as well. And hey, you need some strings, so why not get some custom strings just for your guitar and playing style? Again, the link for that is tonemob.com stringjoy, and that will take you right to their website, and you can do all your shopping through there, and that will help everyone involved out. So thank you very much. Talk to you next time. We are brought to you by the wonderful folks at Gun Street Wiring Shop. Yes, Gun Street Wiring Shop. I've talked about them before. I used to say based out of Bend, Oregon, but guess what? Sean moved to my neck of the woods. Sean's in Portland. Sean is awesome and has helped me with a bunch of stuff lately. And if you have wiring needs for your guitar, he can help you too. If you want to get weird with it, he can get weird. If you just need to spruce things up a little bit, there's your guy. He takes all the guesswork out of doing your guitar wiring, and he makes it simple, and his customer service is top-notch, and I can't say enough good things about Gunstreet as a company. I really respect Sean and what he's all about, and the product is top-notch. I've got three different guitars that now have Gunstreet harnesses in them, and I could not be happier. So go to GunstreetWiringShop.com and check them out.